We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, RotoViz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host here, Sean Siegel. Hopefully, Sean, the listeners did tune in earlier this week when we had two shows so far. The, uh, the second show, John Daigle jumped on. A lot of fun talking to him about the upcoming season, some of the rookies and so on. Some best ball conversation in there. So if you haven't checked that out, check it out after you listen to this one. But we're going to have a, a fun show today. We're going to dive into a number of different articles up on rotaviz.com and share some of the uh, work of some of the other writers up on the website. So it should be a fun one. Yeah, John was fantastic. We really appreciate him coming on the show helping out with some of the draft content before the draft and getting his thoughts on how that panned out getting his ideas on some of the top guys that you have to have for your 2021 teams in a couple of different formats so we appreciate that that was uh, again that was a blast today we're going to be looking at some of the top running backs and some of the top late round tight ends so a couple of different positions for you here and multiple guys zachary Kruger. He's done a fantastic job with you on the best ball show, uh, sort of an evergreen series there that really teaches you how to play best ball. Best ball, one of those formats that is actually very, very beatable, right? So as long as you have the right tools, we've got some fantastic options on Rotoviz. If you have the right strategies with which Colin and Zach have been helping you with, uh, you can make money on best ball. You want to make sure that you have a little bit of player diversity. You're not relying exclusively on two or three guys who get hurt and take down your season. But best ball, an area where if you know what you're doing, you will make some money. These guys have done a great job with it. We're going to talk about one of Zach's other articles today, looking at six second year running backs and sort of the head versus heart argument. Now, these guys, with the exception of Taylor, who is going in that round one range, we think that he's a star. There is a little bit of 
I wouldn't say red flags, but it's always possible that he doesn't become the next, you know, 102, 103 in 2022. Like we believe that he will. The rest of the guys are in that borderline end of the second or in the running back dead zone, which we know can be a very controversial, tricky range. It can be the range that really takes apart your team. So are they going to be good values? Are they guys you want to avoid like the plague? Are they landmines for you? We'll go through some of that. And then we all know the situation where you want to get the elite tight end, you want to get the elite tight end, and then somebody else drafts Waller, Kittle ahead of you in the second round. Or if you're in a, a format where maybe they drop a little bit later, you're taking a little bit of risk, they take them before you in the third round, and suddenly you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, you know, now it's, it's a long way until I actually have any guys. Maybe you're sitting on Hawkinson. Maybe you're sitting on Fant. Maybe you expected Andrews bounce back but again you let them fall a little bit you're like i'm gonna get a good value somebody reaches for them in that draft and now you're suddenly very clearly into this second tight end window that we talk about where you need to get three guys and you need to get them relatively late well neil is our tight end guru he's got the guys for you we'll be discussing who you need to pick there and if Colin and i see any particular players we like from that section before we dive into that, I did mention it on the show so far this week. I want to mention it again. We have a Scott Fishbowl 11 contest. You can win yourself an entry into this year's Scott Fishbowl. It's going to be all over your Twitter feed. It's going to be all over every podcast you listen to for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, probably about a month from now. But uh, if you want to get entry and you haven't already, drop us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app and also give a retweet to the tweet on my Twitter feed in relation to it. I will be sharing it over the coming week and that winner will be announced on the shows next week, either Tuesday or Thursday. Don't miss out. Quite simple to enter. Thanks to everyone who has entered so far. Much appreciated uh, and best luck to all involved. So jumping into the first piece that Sean mentioned a moment ago, it is from Zach Kruger, and I, I guess I'll take a chance to plug the best basketball show. We have been running it uh, over the last good few weeks now um, on Rotoviz Radio, but we have also set up a kind of a podcast directory page on rotoviz.com, so I will be tweeting that out as well. We're, we don't have a, a specific feed for the best ball podcast, but we do have uh, one kind of go-to place so you can listen to all those episodes. We're up to five or six released now. We have recorded nine so far. We're hoping to have 15 episodes in the series, and Zach's doing a phenomenal job through that. So I would highly recommend checking that out if you're interested. If you're new to best ball or if you're a seasoned vet, uh, there'll be something in there for yourself. But when we look through... Uh, his his recent piece head versus heart in terms of the second year running backs to make or break your best ball team i think sean will probably be very quick on this first guy jonathan taylor uh his current adp is around the sixth spot running back six i think he's a uh, for me if you're going for that uh you know single elite running back or modified zero rb whatever way you want to look at it I think Taylor is that final one for me, but I think I would probably have him as high as RB four when I'd be be setting it up uh, for that. Um, I don't I don't know if you're as strong as me on putting him that high, but I know he's somebody that you do like. Yeah, and Taylor is an interesting player because I mean he, he hit one hundred in the running back prospect lab, right? He was really the best running back talent, with the possible exception of Saquon Barkley that we've had. Uh, in a long time, I mean, it, some of this is going back and say, oh, okay, well, you see how these guys have played. But if you look at the, the prospect lab and you look at the athleticism and the profile, you're really looking at Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, I think, as the two guys in the last decade that were such no-brain, home-run, 
guys who could have this monster type of career. McCaffrey has done that. Taylor now in the situation where you have Carson Wentz. And I think that that really is the, the article here and, and the way that Zach has put this together is the head versus the heart and what the heart is telling you and what the head is telling you. For me, the only thing that really uh, is knocking it down is the fact that Carson Wentz was so bad last year that I think that we have to consider that he's going to be bad again, right? I mean, we don't necessarily have a ton of situations in which these quarterbacks melt down and then come back and are, and are very solid types of players. It's just a very difficult thing to do. If the offense doesn't work, then it's going to be harder for Taylor. Phillip Rivers, not an elite quarterback last year. Taylor is still successful, but there's a difference between Phillip Rivers, who does some of the check down types of things that really help. For example, last season, Hines, 77 targets, a good score in his own right as a standalone player. I don't think that we're going to get that with Carson Wentz in the same way. We're going to have to have Jonathan Taylor really take this over. Now, you look at how Taylor finished last season, where five RB1 performances in his last six games, and even the one that wasn't was a 19.5 game. So that was a week where there was a lot of high scoring at the running back position. You look at how he finished, 22.5, 30.5, 19.5, 19.4, 38.4, right? That's what we're looking for from this guy, where you have the high-value touches, you're going to get some receiving, you're going to get some touchdowns, but also the ability at any time to break off a reception or a run for 50 yards and a score. One of the things about the testing that Taylor did was say, look, these long scores that we got in college, they're going to still happen at the NFL level. They're going to still happen in the way that we got them from a Chris Johnson. And unlike Chris Johnson, Taylor brings some other things to the table as well. So I think you have to look at him as this guy that once Christian McCaffrey is gone, he gets into the mix because when you're looking at Dalvin Cook and you're looking at Jonathan Taylor, you see a lot of the same things with Taylor being younger and more athletic. So again, we do have some concerns. We have Hines, we have Wentz, but I don't think that we can go wrong taking Taylor there knowing that maybe the upside isn't quite the same because your offense isn't going to be this juggernaut. Now, second guy, Cam Akers. He's an interesting player because even though he was weaker than some of these other rookie running backs last year until the very end, he's the one that people like. So, Colin, how much of it is the heart when we're looking at, okay, well, Matthew Stafford is going to come in. This offense is going to score a lot more points. The Rams seem very much like Akers were their guy down the stretch. But you had the struggles that he had in the first half. You have some collegiate, some athletic testing types of things suggesting that he's a good, not great prospect. And then you have someone like Henderson who is still going to get some snaps, could still take away some important touches, and is a threat actually to play well enough at times to start to carve into the workload. I'm all about uh, Henderson here. Um, th- there's very little chance that Cam Akers is going to be like my. I would guess at this moment in time, my exposure to Cam Akers this season is going to be zero percent. Um, and I think that Darrell Henderson is the player to target just based on what we've seen so far. Um, we've seen a few flashes from Cam Akers, but I, I haven't seen enough that I'm going to be drafting him at his current slot. And if we get into week six, week seven, and Darrell Henderson is you know, leading that backfield again, I, I won't be overly surprised. So I would I would much rather take the lower cost of opportunity um, and, and go for, for Henderson there. It's pretty clear cut for me. But there is obviously a lot of buzz around Akers, but um, Henderson's the, the running back there to, to be buying for myself. Uh, next up is DeAndre Swift. Uh, came on 
uh, pretty strong throughout the season last year. You know, we were kind of waiting with Adrian Peterson in there, <laughs> trying to, to keep him out. But um, RB14 in terms of ADP, around the 19th pick. Um, you know, he's going close to that back end of the first round early or back end of the second round early third round what what's your thoughts there on the Lions I know you touched on the, the situation with the offense and the quarterback you know when we're looking at um, Jonathan Taylor but DeAndre Swift there's a, a large amount of question marks around that offense in general yeah so and it's interesting John on Thursday show he was absolutely fantastic he mentioned Swift as the guy that he would actually place into the running back dead zone and you look at Swift, and, and he's someone who, despite the way that he pops on individual plays and looks like this player who should be a star, both in college and as a rookie with the Lions, and now as we look to the second season with the Lions, there seem like there are situations in which the team doesn't want to fully commit to him. And then you pull up the Workout Explorer, and you look at some of his closest comps. You've got on Johnson. You've got Miles Sanders. You've got Eddie Lacy. You've got Sony Michelle, and we shouldn't look at those guys and say, oh, well, this is a huge red flag simply because those players all came into year two flying high and then things changed in a hurry. A little bit of that is fluky, but it does factor in then to this idea that the Lions have really been mentioning that they like Jamal Williams and think that he's going to be the guy who soaks up a lot of the key touches. Then you look at Jerry Goff instead of Matthew Stafford, and you're thinking, okay, well, this offense isn't going to score a lot of points. And now we're in a situation with the players that they have in there. Even someone like a Jamar Jefferson, I think, makes this backfield deep enough that we have to be a little bit concerned that the overall touches are not going to live up to this ADP. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, no, I, I very much agree with that. And uh, on Thursday show as well, another player that was mentioned on that was Aaron Jones. He kind of fits into uh, the next player, and that's uh, when we're looking at Jamal Williams. And we do touch on that a little bit on Thursday show, so I think we'll, we'll move on beyond that. But another player that came up, Sean, that we didn't dive into as much was Antonio Gibson for Washington, uh, RB15, uh, just short of the 21 spot in ADP. Um, did have some... 
uh, really strong games uh, in the midpoint of last season, tailed off towards the end. J.D. McKissick uh, is the head pick uh, out of the two of them in terms of, um, especially when you're looking at PPR points and things like that. How are you feeling about that uh, Washington backfield? Yeah, so you have Antonio Gibson here, and I, I like what Zach has written. It seems, it seems like half of the fantasy com- industry was completely on board with Gibson and his athleticism. And his, I like what Zach has written here. He says it seems like half of the fantasy industry was completely on board with Gibson and his elite athleticism. Well, the other half wanted to wait and see and see if he could make the transition. The interesting thing is that he made the transition as a runner, not necessarily as a receiver, but then it looked like in week 12 that that was going to happen. He scores 36 points, immediately gets hurt at the beginning of week 13. You look at week 7 to week 12, five consecutive running back, one finishes. Gibson's the guy that doesn't really seem to fit within the rest of this group ADP-wise, right? He's being valued as though he has the same sorts of red flags or the same offensive concerns that the other guys do. And I I think the only red flag he has is just that he didn't come into the NFL quite as clear-cut in terms of a prospect. You know, Zach's note on him is that it's actually hard to poke holes in Gibson at his current price given his team situation. So when he talks about the heart versus the head, he's saying here that the head also looks awfully good for Gibson. I think that he's the guy that you want to have a lot of ownership of. Now, it doesn't mean that it, there aren't ways that it could still backfire. J.D. McKissick proves himself as a very good dump-off target last season, but as this offense develops this year, I mean, we could be talking about Antonio Gibson as a top five pick in the 2022 draft. I don't think that's the case for the rest of the guys. Now, John's highest ownership, he said, was in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I still have a hard time with this because for me, it always comes back to the fact that the Chiefs could have drafted Jonathan Taylor, and then you have Patrick Mahomes, Taylor, Hill, Kelsey, and you have this all-time great offense Edwards Alaire, a small guy who doesn't have a lot of straight line speed. So then we're talking about more scouting oriented things about uh, how good is he as a pass catcher? Can he make these guys miss in the backfield? You know, can he break those big plays despite not having the long speed? And that's one of the things when I look at the agility versus the long speed for some of these players. Now we have Edwards Alaire as an athletic comp to Aaron Jones. Jones has been able to do that at the NFL level. We had week one last season where Edwards Alaire looked like he was going to be able to do a little bit of that. And that never really came to fruition, perhaps because of nagging injuries, perhaps because of the learning curve. Is there going to be that guy? We know the Chiefs have worked very hard to improve their offensive line. And we know that beyond Hill and Kelsey, they still have a lot of guys to throw the ball to. So Mahomes has been somewhat reticent, especially in non-designed plays to dump the ball off to running backs. Are we going to see more of these uh, sort of garbagey type of touches that are still so valuable for players, especially players like Edwards Alaire, who's never going to be a superstar just purely as a runner. He needs those touches to be a value in this area. Yeah, and the other thing that's interesting, you know, with Mahomes that gets overlooked is, you know, there is a lot of those, you know, eight to ten yard scrambles that he does in terms of a lot of quarterbacks that you touched on earlier, the likes of Philip Rivers, that's not possible. So he's dumping those off to the running back. Tom Brady's not really doing that, he's dumping it off to the running back. Whereas Edwards Lair's not going to get those, you know, simple points that you can just accumulate, you know, with twenty to thirty receptions like that throughout a season. So he's missing out on that. The upside of Edwards Lair for me is the Chiefs get to the goal line a lot. They score a lot of points. 
do we see a situation where he's getting those goal line carries and being able to punch it in? We haven't really seen that with him so far in his time in the Chiefs. And with the Chiefs and how explosive that offense is, often it's either going to the, the red zone very quickly and we're not getting the running back involved or else it's we're in 10 yards from the line, from the goal line and we're going to Travis Kelsey. So I just have too many red flags around Edwards Lair and where the kind of speculation went last year when the draft pick came in how much hype was around him it didn't work out they did give him a lot of opportunities early in the season I just think there's too many red flags there for me to be buying and and again like a lot of these players they're going in a range where we're looking at the other available options and that you know 20 to 25 ADP range and we're going for those options instead um so for me i i would be passing it here again the next one up and i've always uh, said that jk dobbins was a player for 2021 gus edwards uh, getting a contract extension uh, quite more money than i would have anticipated happening somebody who does have good metrics in terms of what he's been able to put up when he's been given the opportunity that's uh, gus edwards i'm talking about so what is your thoughts here on how that backfield shakes out um i, I know that you you do have quite a bit of jk dobbins uh, drafted it's it's weird because I never understood why the Ravens committed really anything, but what they did to Mark Ingram when they had Gus Edwards, who appeared to be the better player. And now it's a, a bizarre situation where it's it's hard to understand why they seem to be making such a commitment to Edwards when they have Dobbins and when and perhaps this is just the fact that I would love to get a little bit of value out of someone that I thought was going to play a little bigger role when he came in, and that's Justice Hill, but they're talking uphill right and so where does edwards really fit in when you have dobbins and hill as two of the more explosive players in the nfl and at the same time with the commitment that they're making to edwards and the number of carries there are going to be in this offense then you could certainly see edwards as a guy who is a legitimate zero running back candidate he was one of denny's guys when he was on the show a couple weeks ago I like Dobbins here, even though I think one of the concerns that you have, and one of the concerns that I really have for all of these guys, except for Gibson, and then perhaps Akers, who is being drafted a little bit more like it, is just what is the, the extreme upside? Because anytime that we're drafting running backs in the first three rounds, they need to not ha- just have upside and to have a path to being a decent score. They need to have extreme upside. The Ravens offense would need to change a little bit to get there. Now, if we talk about extreme upside, there are there are some different ways to accomplish it. Derrick Henry has accomplished it by getting a huge number of carries, scoring touchdowns, and then breaking enough big plays on those carries that he's able to do it mostly just as a rusher. Now, when you're talking about drafting people in the first round, does he have the upside of a top four or five pick? Probably no. Does he have the upside if you were taking him in round three? Then the answer would be yes. Maybe Dobbins can be that kind of guy even when he's splitting carries because this Ravens offense is going to have so many rushing touches and Dobbins is going to be so explosive. When we look at what he did last year, the first 10 weeks, only two games in which he had a running back two or better finish, and none of those were running back one finishes. Over the last six weeks, they were all RB2 or better finishes with two RB1 finishes, and the potential for that this coming season to really shift to where he is mostly a high-end RB2 with explosive weeks of 25 to 35 points filtering in there, then I think this is a range where you can do that. The fact that there are enough interesting second-year players to move Dobbins to the back of this group, 
I think makes him still interesting where if he were at the front of this group as he would be in a lot of years, then you're looking a little bit more risk than, than upside. So uh, even though I think he's actually a little bit more one of these guys who you might want in dynasty, he doesn't exactly fit a redraft construction. I don't think he's necessarily going to lose the league for you. And he's in this group that makes the third round pretty interesting to where unlike in most years, I could see a draft approach where we go running back in round one if you get one of the elite guy then a star wide receiver in round two then dobbins and now wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver after that now the question there is where do you get one of those elite tight ends so it all comes back to the fact that any decision that you make is going to influence the rest of your construction somewhere else but this is an interesting group the guys i like out of this group at the cost are going to be gibson and dobbins so moving to the tight ends portion now, we're looking at a piece from Neil Dutton in terms of some late round uh, targets for tight ends and best ball drafts. And obviously we've talked about, you know, the elite options. We have Kelsey, Kittle and Waller. Um, then you have the likes of Mark Andrews, Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts in there. But we start to dive a little bit deeper. Maybe you miss out on one of those elite guys or maybe you get uh, one of those guys like a Hawkinson, but you're seeing who you can pair them up with a uh, few interesting candidates here sean i'll go through the uh, to start things off i'll, I'll jump through uh, the names involved and then we'll we'll, we'll see which ones we want to highlight the most we have uh, evan ingram of the giants we have adam troffman we have blake jarwin anthony ferkshire and dawson knox so some guys in there that you know have been at the higher end before and, and the likes of an evan ingram he's probably the one that feels most out of place based on what we would have expected from him in the past but things haven't really worked out then we have some guys that are going in those later areas and somebody like Ferkshire who with the titans you know there there was opportunity there but maybe now with the change in julio jones coming in maybe that takes a little bit away from him any of those guys that are, are really piquing your interest uh, during draft season here well ingram is the player who still just jumps out as this potentially uh, sexy pick where you know he could be a league winner for you we look at what happened last season now granted they off they added targets in terms of kenny galladay Kadarius tony you're gonna have saquon barkley back this is a guy who was fourth in targets at the position fifth in receptions sixth in air yards fifth in expected points per game so you have the volume the problem is he was 35th in touchdowns and he was 25th in translating air yards into actual yards which those two things combined pushed him down to 136th in terms of fantasy points over expectation per game. So he was a disaster from an efficiency perspective. And one of the things that we've learned about Ingram as he's now progressed through the early portions of his career is that he can get open, but he has trouble catching the ball and he has trouble with this quarterback receiver connection, right? So without the rapport with the QB, those are some red flags. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, Daniel Jones played really poorly last season. I think there's some fairness to that. But one of the cool things that we saw in an article written for the site by Madison Parkhill is that Daniel Jones actually had some pretty uh, intriguing peripherals. And so that sort of pushes this back onto Ingram. But one of the things that I think can happen and sometimes gets overlooked is that you have an athletic player who can get open and is a receiving threat at the tight end position of a pretty clear receiver, then sometimes adding some other good options actually frees him up, right? So the defense now going to be focusing on Galladay, going to be looking for those gimmick plays for Tony underneath. They're going to have to 
concentrate on Saquon Barkley, something they didn't have to do last year. Suddenly Ingram goes from a focal point of the defense to a complete afterthought. Maybe that will allow him to start creating the breakout plays, get some of the confidence back, develop that rapport with Jones, and you have a season where he bounces back and becomes a core tight end for the following year. Now, we contrast that with Adam Troutman, who was a very old player coming into the NFL. So he's like a lot of these tight ends, actually, who are a little bit trendy, where he's older than you think that he would be, and maybe also not that athletic. So he's older, he's not that athletic, he comes from a small school, he's not going to get to play with Drew Brees, and at the same time, he was very good. He does have some good agility for someone his size. He's someone who could be a full-time player. What are your thoughts here on how this will work in a New Orleans Saints passing offense that has a lot of question marks outside of Michael Thomas? Traquan Smith, somebody who has been getting a lot of puff pieces really generated by the team saying he could break out the season. He'll be a better fit with these other quarterbacks than he was with Drew Brees. I think when you have a guy being pushed as a potential breakout uh, because Drew Brees isn't going to be the quarterback, that, that raises some eyebrows. Now, I like Traquan. I still own quite a bit of Traquan. I hope it's true, but I think that, that also sort of underlines what the opportunity is in this offense. Yeah, there's just so many question marks around uh, the offense in general. We don't even know if it's Jameis, if it's Taysom, and how things work out there. So it could it could all work out, and the situation could come together in the perfect storm. But even when you mentioned some of the, the wide receiving options that there is there, there's just so much going on that I it's probably a situation that I'm not going to be that heavily invested in. I do have Troutman in some dynasty leagues, but uh, you know I'm not expecting major things from him heading forward this season somebody though who didn't make the list i know we're talking about this list but somebody who has come up on shows before that's going in that similar sort of range uh, uh you know with the chicago bears um and that is cole Komet. i think that he's somebody i think i would be slotting into the, this list um you know if i was giving mr dutton uh, any any players to add into it but out of those guys that remain um any of the rest of them that are, are piquing your interest sean well, Blake Jarwin was Denny's pick in the MFL 10 of death. I mentioned that in the full 20-round 20 breakdown that came out uh, at the end of the week last week. Uh, Dalton Schultz is probably my guy there. So uh, maybe it's just that I own a lot of him as the season developed last season. I think that he played well enough, especially when you consider that he also didn't have Dak Prescott for most of the year, that that's going to be a committee it's interesting to think that a committee of tight ends in a passing attack that also has Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup could be valuable at all. But again, we have Dak Prescott here. I think I would still take the less expensive of the two. You can get Schultz in the last round, even in very deep best ball formats. So a potential there. And then we see the, the tight end in Tennessee. I think that's probably not as intriguing now that they have Julio Jones. Colin, what are your thoughts on Dawson Knox? We had this explosive bills passing attack that has Stefan Diggs, and then it has a, a cast of characters that could be interchangeable we could have a breakout from gabriel davis i really like his possibility there this year but they've been looking for a tight end they didn't fill the tight end position and knocks one of those guys who could be 
a touchdown score late for you in best ball. There were even some articles coming out recently about how he's working on uh, some different eye exercises to make sure he doesn't drop those touchdown passes. Not enough volume for you here, even late, or do you like the touchdown potential when you're talking about a last round pick? He's somebody who, it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to be like end zone or bust, but <laughs> there's a lot of tight ends in the NFL that when we're looking at fantasy perspective is touchdowns are what's going to drive them. Um, you know, getting a tight end who's going to give you those double-digit points even to get you through those bye weeks um, can be all the difference. So I think at the current ADP, I think it's it's well worth taking a, a couple of dart throws at it. I have him uh, on a couple of rosters so far this offseason. And if we look at when he was healthy last year, and Neil points this out in the article, um, he had 10.2% off the targets in the games that he did play now he obviously was injured in some of the other games but he plays with somebody in josh allen who likes to scramble when we get into the red zone there was quite a few of his touchdowns that were pretty improvised at the end of things so i i think that there's there's no downside to the pick like we're picking at a spot where zero is the downside and uh, i think there's enough upside there to to get you through a couple of weeks i don't think we're going to be looking at him as the the next overall breakout tight end but i think there's enough there to to, to warrant um, picking them up at the back end of those uh, best ball rosters. Yeah, definitely. And make sure you check out all Neil's work at the tight end position. If you're looking to put together your team at tight ends, he covers our rookies for us. He covers these late guys. He has a full strategy for you at the tight end position. We know that we need to hit elite guys, but not everybody can have those top three, right? Nine of the 12 teams are not going to have a member of the big three. Make sure you check out Neil for how he can help you put together the rest of your roster at tight end. Colin, before we let people go today, we've had three very full shows this week. We've had full shows the last couple of weeks. We haven't been able to get as many of our recommendations as I've been having some interactions with listeners. I've gotten some great uh, ideas for books and TV shows. I did want to mention, uh, we talked about the Chronicles of Pryden recently with one of our uh, listeners who gave us the great review there with the assistant pig keeper. I was recommended a fantasy series. For those of you who have watched or read Game of Thrones and are looking for something, this was the first law series. It was kind of interesting. Joe Abercrombie, the author, I had read something else by him, but hadn't actually read his signature work. I read the first half of the book, was kind of struggling through it. The characters weren't that likable. And then everything flipped. The second half was fantastic. And now I'm sitting around every day trying to figure out why the library is making me wait a month to get the second one, trying to find the ebook, trying to uh, get an actual physical copy out there. So really appreciate that recommendation. We also had a TV recommendation that I did want to mention because I love the foreign shows. I love the active shows. Uh, I think that a lot of times we talk about character-based product or plot-based product. I think the characters are often a lot more interesting in the plot-based shows or the ones that have a good mix. We had the Bureau recommended, which is a French political thriller. Anything set in a foreign country uh, is always just a good watch, a good read because it broadens your experience and it puts you in an environment that you're not as used to. It adds that other element where the setting can be a character for you. So I encourage people to check those out. I'm going to be making a second pass to that. The Bureau is actually a little bit like uh, the first law series where I had watched the pilot five, six years ago, hadn't cared for it. But with this recommendation from one of our listeners, I'm going to make sure I give that another chance. Looking for a lot of shows here as we continue to burn through all the content coming off of the pandemic. And even with 2021 really looking up, 
uh, so many positives out there right now. Uh, still, TV shows, books, let us know what we should be partaking from. As always, you can get a 10% discount to a road of his NFL pass up on the website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for further information. That's going to bring us to the end of the episode today. As always, do drop us that written on your favorite podcast app. And of course, that'll also help gain you entry into the Scott Fishbowl draw that we will have next week. Give a retweet of that tweet as well on my Twitter feed, which is at Overtime Ireland. If you do have any content you want to see up on the road of his overtime podcast over the the next couple of weeks send it my way on twitter or at road of his radio at gmail.com by email we'll use some of the best of those on our upcoming shows as always my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's great work up on rotavis.com lots of great content over the last thank few you weeks. for listening overtime and rotavis until we're back next podcast on itunes podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavis radio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotavis radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotavis with this country the rotavis radio homepage rotavis.com forward slash pod podcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.